you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Anybody understand what I'm singing about this morning? Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy Faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Come on, join with me this morning and sing, Oh, great hymn. Thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see, 
Psalm 100 said, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people. And the sheep of His pasture enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Then the fifth verse of the 100th Psalm gives us the reason that our attitude toward coming into the presence of God ought to be joyful and glad and full of singing. He says, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. How many of you know the Lord is faithful? With the help of the Lord this morning, I'm going to preach for a little bit. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee thou changest not thy compassions they fail not as thou hast been thou forever All great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have. Thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. This is one of my favorite verses. Pardon for sin. And peace that endureth Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide Strength 
for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Oh, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Some of you don't even know what to do with this this morning. I break out and go old school on you, and you're looking at me like, where in the world is Pastor going this morning? I'm going to tell you where I'm going this morning. I'm just going to remind you, great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. Morning by morning, I wake up and new mercies I see. Everything I've ever needed, His hands always has provided. Great is Thy faithfulness. Great is His faithfulness. Great is His faithfulness. Lord, unto me. Come on, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Do you get what the Scripture's saying here? The writer of this old classic had understanding of Psalm 100. Make a joy. I don't sing well. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God, and that He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Would you do that right now all over the room? Come on, would somebody just thank the Lord today? You can be seated. Let's just thank the Lord today. Enter into His gates. With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. He, he talks about the knowledge that should lead to a response of worship. Don't go too far, Dylan. Today I, I want to focus on how he wraps this chapter up and concludes by telling us that there should be an attitude shift from the rest of the world when we understand how great, how good, and how faithful 
that God has been in our lives. I want to break down three things, and I won't be real long this morning, and I know that's going to shock some of you because I say that every week, don't I? But I won't be real long this morning, but I want to break down three things that should change our attitude and our outlook. He says, the Lord is good. It doesn't matter how bad things are going in life, the Lord is still good. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That means every time I come to the house of the Lord, regardless how bad I feel, how bad my week is, what's happened to me, what's wrong in my life, the Lord is good. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell them the Lord is good. Good. I have a reason to worship. I have a reason to celebrate. He is faithful to me. He is good. The Lord is good. He is good all the time, regardless of what happens to me. Understand the difference is that a lot of people look for happiness. Happiness, of course, is connected to the happenings in your life. Good things happen to you, and you are happy. And so uh, we, we, we come into the house of the Lord, and our attitude is determined and built around our happiness. But the Scripture said that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is not predicated upon happiness. Sometimes we think joy and happiness is one and the same. Not at all. Happiness is a product of what has happened to us. But the joy of the Lord is something that is put down in our spirit because we know great is thy faithfulness. We know his mercies are new every morning. We know that when I don't deserve it, he's still good to me. And so therefore the joy that is put down in our spirit on the worst day of our life when I don't feel like it because everything wrong has happened in my life, the Lord is good. The joy of the Lord begins to spring up in me and I begin to worship him because of my knowledge of who he is, because of my faith that he's on my side. And so therefore I begin to say the Lord is good. And there is strength that is drawn in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of despair, in the midst of everything in life going wrong, the joy of the Lord is my strength because I have knowledge that the Lord is always good even when everything else is bad. So I don't have to have any other reason to praise Him it's, there's enough reason because the Lord is good. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. So there is a certain thing that you must do. There is a little element of, I believe it's the third or fourth verse there that we just read, that we have to get a knowledge. There has to be a knowledge. I know that everything is bad in life. I know my bank account is empty. I know what the doctors say about my health. I, I know, but I also know that the Lord, He is God. It is He that made us. My environment didn't make me. The people around me didn't make me. It is He that hath made us. 
He is God. So we have to get a knowledge of who God is and what God is and, and, and a knowledge that tells us that on the worst day of my life, the Lord is good. How else can you describe God? The Lord is good. I don't need any other reason. When we start thinking about how good God is, how good has God been to you? How many blessings has God put in your life? I know some of you, some of you ought to already been dead by now. But the Lord is good. Dylan's assisted me over here on the organ this morning. He ought to not even be alive. When he was born, the doctor said, I give him no chance to survive. If he happens to survive the first 24 hours, we'll give him a 50-50 chance to see if he makes it to 48. If he makes it to 48, we'll come back and talk and revisit it. The, the, the doctor even, hey, we walked down the hall, one of the most treacherous days of my life. I look over here this morning and see him on the organ, the Lord. The Lord is good. Some of you, the doctor said, you ought to lose your mind. Some of you, the, some of you, uh, the, the, the society would say, you ought to still be bound in your addiction. But the Lord, know ye that the Lord is God. That addiction is not God. That sickness is not God. Therefore, the sickness does not have the final word. God will always have the final word. Know ye that the Lord is God. I feel pain in my body, but the Lord is God. It is He that has made this body. I didn't make myself. I didn't. I feel the help of the Lord this morning. I want you to know today that the Lord is God. Some of you ought to be in divorce court, but the Lord is still God. My goodness gracious. I watched an online funeral yesterday that was more lively than this crowd. Some of you ought to already ended up in divorce court, but the Lord came through. Some of you ought to be filing bankruptcy, but the Lord came through. You shouldn't have made it, but the Lord came through. Around the house, sometimes we, we break out on that song, ne Never could have made it without you. And I would have lost it all. But now I see how you rescued me, and that's why I say, Never should have made it without you. Never could have made it without you. See, I understand it. I know it. I know it's not me. I know it's not my education. I know it's not my talent. It's not my family name. It's not my connections. There is only one way that I made it. There is only one way that I made it. Because the Lord is God. When everything was stacked against me, I still knew that I had a God that was on my side. 
The writer said, if it had not have been for the Lord who was on my side. I think I talked about that a few days ago. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, but because God is on my side and because I have a knowledge that He is God, it's He that hath made us and not we ourselves. I had to share a little testimony with somebody this week about some situations in my life many years ago that should have taken me out, should have destroyed me, should have, could have ended it all for me. But somehow God came through for me. I came this morning to encourage somebody to look back and ask yourself this morning, how good has God been to me? Maybe that's why the writer said, praise Him according to His excellent greatness. According to his excellent greatness. Now, now we have, I, I want you to get this this morning. I, I, shared this, I shared this last week, a week before last, I think it was, when I preached in Lebanon. I shared this just a little bit with them. I, I want to share it with you here this morning. The writer said, praise him according to his excellent greatness. So my praise is according to his excellent greatness. So in other words, how can you define his excellent greatness? So his excellent greatness somehow has got to be defined in the way that I view him. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So according to how I view him, according to how I see him. So if I see the Lord as some small pygmy not in control, that's how I'm going to praise Him. But if I see God as alive and on the throne, if I see God ruling over my problem, if I see God high and lifted up as Isaiah saw Him, if I see God exalted, if I see God greater than my problems, you see where I'm going today? Know ye that the Lord, He is God. If I see God as my creator, if I see God as my father, if I see God, how uh, praise Him according to how you see Him, how you view Him. Now, a couple of weeks ago we had somebody walk through the building and they, they're, they're interested in buying this building. And so we're very excited about that. And so they, they went and met with their attorneys and their attorneys said, we, we've got to get some appraisals on the church property. We've got to know the value of the church property. And so uh, I said, okay, well, give me the steps. They said, well, uh, we have to have, according to the rules that they, that they have to follow, uh, that we have to have two, not one, but two appraisers to come and appraise the property. I said, that's odd. Why two appraisers? They said, well, one may come out and value it one way because he sees it one way, and one may come out and value it another way because he sees it another way. And so we have to have two appraisers, and we're going to average the two, and that's the capacity of our ability to be able Create an offer on the building. I said, okay, that makes sense. So the point that I'm making this morning 
is that if I am to praise him according to his excellent greatness, there's a lot of dependence on how I view him, how I see him. So therefore, if you see me praising him exuberantly, it's because of how I see him. And so therefore, your praise is predicated on how you view him. So literally, my praise is my appraisal. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. So therefore, if I see Him exalted, then my praise, my attitude toward entering to His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise... Come before his presence with singing. It's easy to do that if I see him exalted. If my appraisal of him is he's on the throne. Otherwise, if I see my sickness reigning, if I see my financial problem ruling, if I see all the problems in life, I come into his gates with sadness, with grief, with despair. But David said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Because he's declaring that there is a reason. There is a reason that you ought to always come before his presence with singing. The reason is is because the Lord is good. Somebody ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Now, if I don't hurry... I'm going to do exactly what I said I wouldn't do. I'm going to preach a while. All right. The second thing he said, for the Lord is good. His mercies are everlasting. Everlasting. Now, When I was about 25, I thought that life was going to always be the way it was. My health would always be there. My strength would always be there. I sat downtown last night, and I was talking to someone, and we were talking about how we used to play softball. And I thought, wow. And now we're two old men sitting on a park bench (laughs) looking for some young whippersnapper to come through so we can tell them how good it was back then. Because back then, I thought I was going to always have the strength that I had then. I was going to always I was never going to reach a point where I had to say, I got to go take a nap. I mean, when I was a kid, I hated it when my mama would tell me, you got to go take a nap. 
Now I wish somebody would tell me. The Lord, His mercy is everlasting. In 2011, I bought a new truck. It's been a pretty good truck. I've got 200 and, I don't know, a bunch of miles. I started having a few little issues with it. Driving down the road, bells and alarms start going off all over the thing. Occasionally, it just stops on me. I'll switch it off, switch it back on. It starts. I take off driving again. Sometimes I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, it just, boom. I let off the gas. It starts back up. I just gas and keep going. I put it in gear the other day, and it just sat there. It's not supposed to do that. It's worn out. I've pulled too many heavy loads with it. I've driven it too hard. It's exhausted. It's tired. Anybody identify? But the Lord's mercies never Get tired. They are everlasting. I just don't understand. I heard people say, I just don't understand. They, that person, they just failed God and they mess. I don't understand why God doesn't just absolutely take them out. Let me explain something to you. Grace is unmerited favor. Mercy is withheld punishment. Meaning, that while, although we are guilty, he holds back what we deserve. His mercy is everlasting. If he expects us, being human, to forgive someone who does something against us, not once, not twice, not seven times, I don't believe that it is an actual numerical figure that the scripture is speaking of when it said, when, when the Lord said, but 70 times 7. I don't believe it's talking about 490 times. I've heard somebody say, you got to forgive your brother, your sister 490 times per day. I don't even believe it's a numerical figure that is being, it is an attitude. How are you going to forgive somebody 490 times? Over the same thing in one day. The, the attitude is that we are to forgive those who trespass against us. If the Lord would expect us, being human, to forgive those and to withhold mercy, to withhold judgment upon those who may have done us wrong and may deserve it. How much more would his mercy, when David said, for his mercy is everlasting. It means you can't do too much for the mercy of God. For the Lord to grow weary 
I'm not here to preach a judgment message to you this morning. I believe in the judgment of God. But I'm not here to preach a judgment message to you this morning. But I'm here to try to persuade somebody who feels like I've messed up. I've done wrong. I've repented. I've done wrong. I've repented. It's happened again. I've failed God. I'm trying to persuade somebody this morning to understand the mercy of God is still reaching for you. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Straighten up your life and understand the Lord is God and His mercy endures forever. There's hope for you. You haven't you haven't done too much. There is only one sin that I find in the Bible that is the unpardonable sin. That is the sin against the Holy Ghost. But I come this morning to tell you that everything else I find that there is enough mercy and enough grace to reach to where you are. No matter how bad you feel you have been, no matter how far you have gone, His mercy is everlasting. book of Lamentations, the third chapter, the scripture said it is the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. I mean, we're not just eaten up by it because his compassions fail not. The link that I find here is the reason that the mercy of God is so incredible in our life is because of the compassion of God toward us. When he made man, the scripture said that's the only thing that during creation that God paused to repent over even making he made man and repented over making man because we are so pitiful that we try to do good and the apostle Paul said when I do evil is present he said the things that I say I would never do that's the very thing I end up doing he said the things that I that I say I'm going to always do that's the very thing I end up not doing he said who who shall deliver me from the body of this death the apostle said I'm just a mess here I'm just a wreck here the Lord saying I I am repenting that I even made man it is a compassionate God that looks to the human nature and sees how weak we are how frail we are that the first way that he had to be able to deal with sin he said man can't even live up to the law but I'm going to inject mercy into the law and I'm going to give them an opportunity for grace to step in and I'm going to hold back the judgment through my grace to them that when they fail they have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous he says there's hope for you he has compassion on you because he knows you are weak and frail and we fail. Psalm 103 said the Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. As a kid growing up I grew up in a church where I heard, and I grew up in an era, and some of you who have been around the church for a long time will understand exactly what I'm talking about this morning. I heard more preaching about the wrath of God than the mercy of God. I grew up so afraid of sinning because I saw God as being in heaven with a long pointy finger just waiting to cast judgment on me, just waiting to put, to put, put the wrath on me. And I, I remember running to the altar when the preacher would preach hell so hot, I would feel like I was dangling over the flames. I didn't hear a lot of preaching about grace and mercy. I didn't hear a lot about it. 
I didn't understand that the Lord was slow to anger. I thought because I made a mistake that God was ready to destroy me. He was just waiting for the opportunity to take me out. But the scripture said the Lord is merciful, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. In other words, God has enough. Plenteous. God has enough. Everybody say enough. God has enough mercy. Enough mercy. When Isaiah declared he was wounded for our transgressions. You know what transgressions are? That's our wrongdoings. That's when we fail God. That's when we mess up. The wounds that he took in his side was for our transgressions or because of our transgressions. He knew that we as humans were going to be likely to fail, likely to fall, likely to mess up. And so he was wounded because he knew that about us. Compassion. He was bruised. Isaiah declared, he was bruised for our iniquities. The word iniquity is speaking of the worst intentional sin that man could ever get involved in. The worst. He was bruised for because he knew that man was going to willfully sin. And that man was going to do unthinkable things. And he was bruised because of that. What an unfathomable, compassionate God. He saw us in that condition. Now let me, let me add that when Isaiah wrote, For unto us a, a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The everlasting father, the prince of peace, same writer, starts writing, for he was wounded for our transgressions. Here's the little hidden secret. Jesus was not even born when Isaiah was writing that. Some 535 years, the, the, the smart people tell us, that they about 535 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah is writing, for he was. Wounded for our transgressions. The point is that Isaiah wrote in prophetic anticipation. The things which were not as though they already were. So instead of saying he will be wounded, he said he was. Because before the foundation of the earth was laid in the mind of God, He already had a plan. That's why the scripture said, in the beginning was the Word. Or that word means logos or plan. In the beginning was the plan. He already knew that man was going to fail, that man was going to be weak. He was. Before he was ever born, the plan of God said it's going to happen. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. So if the writer wrote in prophetic anticipation, it wasn't just for the Old Testament saints, but he was looking ahead all the way to 2018 on a Sunday morning in Frankfurt. And he, because of the compassion of God, was going to see people who were going to need the wounds for our wrongdoings and going to need the bruise 
bruises because of our intentional sin. He was wounded. He was bruised because his compassion looked ahead all of these years before Jesus was even born. And he said, I'm going to do it because I'm compassionate. My mercy is everlasting. His mercy is unfathomable. For as high as the heavens above the earth, so great is His mercy. Psalm 103 declares how high is the heaven above the earth. No wonder that, that we look at it and can't calculate the mercy of God. It's incomprehensible that a harlot would find purity at a place of repentance. But yet in Scripture she did. It's unreasonable that a liar could ever find truth. It's, is it logical that a sinner could ever find righteousness? There's only one way you could. By the mercy of God. By the mercy of God. Psalm 103 goes on and says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I want you to get this. Those of you who have been through Path of Life have seen me do this. I wish I had my globe in here. Because you know how far the north is from the south. You start going north and you only go so far to the north. And when you get to the top of the globe, when you get to the, when you get to the top, there's only one way that you can go. You got to go south. But the reason that the scripture said that he removed your sin as far as the east is from the west is because when you start east, you don't go a certain distance and then start going west. But when you start going east, it never stops. And when you start going west, it never stops. He didn't say as far as the north is from the south because you can calculate that. But how far is the east from the west? You have no ability to be able to calculate it. So when God forgives you because of his grace and his mercy, when he forgives you, he removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. That means when the devil comes and starts telling you, you remember when? Nope, I sure don't. And neither does God because he removed my transgressions as far as the east is from the west. He took my wrongdoings and you can't even calculate how far that he took it away from me. He put it out. He took it away for his mercy is everlasting. And I close with this, and his truth endureth to all generations. I want somebody to understand that his mercy is awaiting you. His truth or his, the truth of his mercy. One of the most beautiful words in scripture is found in Isaiah 1 and 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Solomon found the mercy of God. He chose a man born from a union that began in sin and became the wisest and wealthiest man. Ended up becoming king. Which tells us that your beginning, Solomon born in sin, 
ends up becoming the wisest and wealthiest, the wisest and wealthiest man, and ends up being a king. Which just reminds us that your beginning does not determine determine your ending. Samson, a man who never seemed to get things right, God still gave him a chance in the end to right things. And at his end, he destroyed more than he did in all of his life. David failed God, committed deliberate sin, committed murder, and attempted to cover it up. But somehow he still found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Don't miss the statement this morning, your mistake doesn't doom your future. David's closing remark in Psalm 100, his truth endureth to all generations. The truth about the mercy of God is that he doesn't run out. It is everlasting. The mercy of God endures to all generations. So if somebody comes and says, well, that was for back then, you were wrong. The mercy of God endures to all. His truth endures to all generations. That's why the knowledge, know this. You've got to know this. You've got to get this in your spirit. Somebody this morning said, well, I already know this. Let me remind you of this. Let me bring this back up. The reason that we come into the house of the Lord and ought to worship the way we worship as this choir and this music team. I don't know who's singing tonight, but when this team is up singing, whether it's the choir or praise team or whomever is leading us in worship, we ought to come before his presence with singing. We ought to come with gladness. We ought to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Why? Because life is not good. Things are going bad in my life because I have a knowledge. I'm preaching about the knowledge you've got to have the Lord is good, His mercies are everlasting, and His truth endures all the way to this generation. God has not quit saving. God has not quit reaching. But all the way to this generation the Lord is still reaching. Let me tie it together with 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation. His truth endures to all generations, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him. That's why we enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Come before the Lord with singing. We are to come before Him because we should show forth the praises of Him who hath called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. So therefore I came from darkness and now I have a knowledge that on the worst day of my life God it is he that has made us and not we ourselves we are his people the sheep of his pasture I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving I'll enter into his courts with praise I'll come before his presence with singing because I have a knowledge that he brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light he has blessed me beyond what I deserve his mercy has reached to me he has forgiven given me. He has given me an opportunity to come boldly before the throne of grace. I, which in times past were not a people, but now we are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. That's why I want to worship. That's why my appraisal of Him is more than just coming solemnly and sitting before Him, but my praise is my appraisal. I will worship him on the worst day of my life. I will praise him when things are going wrong. 
because I value these things in my life and I have a knowledge of who he is and what he is. I dare you right now to get up on your feet, lift up your voice, lift up your hands and begin to magnify him. Come on somebody to praise God this morning. Why don't you give him praise according to the way you see him in your life. His mercy has reached to this generation. His truth has reached to this generation. He's still offering mercy. He's still offering truth. He's still offering help. Come on somebody, you ought to give him praise all over the room today. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. You ought to just put your hands together. You ought to just say, thank you, Lord. When I should have died, your mercy reached to me. When I should have lost my mind, your mercy reached to me. When I should have lost it all, your mercy reached to me. I thank you today because I'm in the house of God, because I've got a sound mind, because I've still got my family, because I've still got my health, because I've still got a voice, because I've still got the ability I'm going to praise you with all of my heart. I'm going to praise you with all of my mind. I'll come before your presence with singing. I'll enter into your gates with thanksgiving. I'll come before your courts with praise. Because you're my God. It's you that made me and not myself. Come on somebody, give God. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise in the house. If he's been good to you, you ought to just praise him for a moment. You ought to lift your voice to him for a moment. If you feel like stepping out like some have today, feel free to step out and just begin to worship. His grace and his mercy has reached to us today. Come on, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Exalt His name together. Exalt His name together. Oh, yes. Let's just take the next three or four minutes and just give God praise because we have this privilege to come before His presence today. 